1: Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. And all that reckons without a whole glut of other great stories, many of which seem an awful long time ago now. Shishkin, as I mentioned, but Honeysuckle's brilliant performance in the champion hurdle. What about Vintage Clouds winning at the Cheltenham Festival for the fifth time, or at the fifth time of asking? We'll talk to Sue Smith later as well. Brian Cooper, something of a renaissance man. He's back in the big time. He'll be on the line as well. And to hold my hand through it all, because he's so fresh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. He's hardly done any work this week. ITV's lead commentator Richard Hoyle, this morning
0: morning it's amazing isn't it the week you say does seem an awful long time ago and in many ways very really positive ways as well things that seemed right in the forefront when the festival started have diminished well into the background and the sport i think can hold its head pretty high it was a pretty good four days that stood up under sort of more scrutiny because it was more of a raw product we were talking about that before we came on about stripped aside from some of the commercial aspects and you remember the day fondly because you're back to winner but down 15 points and had a good day out this was the racing in the roar, if you like and it stood up very well
1: and the contrast as you were pointing out to me between where we were on Monday and where we were midway through Tuesday afternoon when Honeysuckle and Rachel Blackmore streaked past the winning post clear was pretty pretty s- stark and
0: sharp absolutely I think it's very um, easy particularly for those of us that follow racing on a day-to-day basis it was very predictable that the, the, ten, the tone on Monday morning and Tuesday morning when you're looking at the festival would be that everybody who was being interviewed wasn't being asked about Rachel Blackmore and Honeysuckle, they were being asked about Gordon Elliot and Covid from 12 months ago. Judy Harrington was getting a hard time on yeah. you know, a Radio 4 slot with hardly a horse being positively mentioned. Well, that, that was Rob form. Bonnet.
1: He chucked Sheikh Mohammed into the mix as well. Yeah, so the she, whole got, thing was she got there. a whole over of
0: short-pitch and, bowling. You know, we, we shouldn't be backward, and we're going to discuss this a little bit later about you know, confronting those issues and acknowledging them, but at the same time, racing must be confident that the product it is going to produce can stand up to that level of criticism. Mm. But there probably was an element of trepidation. You need the luck of the rubber the green, maybe the luck of the Irish, <laughs> in order to emerge unscathed from those four days. And we probably got all of that.
1: I'm, I'm, I've no doubt, and we're going to we're going to talk about some brilliant performances as well. But as I said, it threw up as many as many talking points. I mean, let's let's just have a quick word about. The irish domination to start I and mean, we'll talk about it a lot during the course of the program but it really was a an unbelievable landslide even if it had been signaled and signposted over the last four or five years
0: and that's the point and flippantly used luck of the irish there's nothing lucky about it really if you I remember last year my bets at the festival was the presbury cup and i wrote this typically anal old accountant i wrote a spreadsheet that imported the prices and worked out the probabilities and i believed it should have been 19.9 last year and when you looked last year, going to the final day, it was still all square. Mm. Um, the UK had punched above its weight, and that had hidden, exactly as you say, the momentum shift that had been going on over the previous three or four years. This year, the same programme threw up 21-7, and of course it turned out to be even more of a landslide than that in 23-5. And the point about national hunt racing, which I know we're going to cover well in the next couple of hours, is that it's, a, it's not something you can turn on your head overnight you're talking about five or six generations of horses coming through and gradually each moving generation forward has had a greater share in the green than the union flag and as a result it's not easy to turn that around. Flats easier in a way with two or three generations It's not going to be easy for the next five or six years. There's no, I don't think, magic wand that you can have other than maybe persuade more people to have horses in training over here.
1: There was a very interesting statement from Willie Mullins last night where he thanked all his staff and all the team at Cheltenham for putting on such a a fantastic show over the last few days in very difficult circumstances, and he thanked everyone for their kind congratulations for... His part in the festival, which again was a significant one, six wins, and he ended up as leading trainer, even if Henry de Bromhead could rightfully claim to be the champion trainer at at Cheltenham this week. But he also, Richard, said that this was part of Brian Kavanagh's 20-year plan that he'd instituted you know, a couple of decades ago, and it was all coming to fruition, that this was, you know, the seed corn for this was laid as a as a part of policy from Horse Racing Ireland. And that's how, why he felt that this had been so successful. OK, he's deflecting credit from himself, of course, his huge part in it, but I would have struck fear into my heart if I'd been trying to run
0: British racing. Yeah, I think that's a very good analogy, really. It's sort of um, the Joseph story, seven years of bumper crops and, you know, put it aside and plan for the future. From their point of view, it was very barren, wasn't it? If you look back to the Galmoy years and the year that followed, and that's the point. It requires to be a plan over a period of time to get the benefit. And just as Willie is playing hands it all come to pass, now mm. all of a sudden, from an English, an Irish, uh, Northern Irish point of view, great British point of view, many would say it's things coming home to roost rather than fruition of plans and that's going to be the discussion I think that you get over the course of the next few months.
1: Yeah precisely and that was distilled neatly in the Cheltenham Gold Cup, the wellchild Child Cheltenham Gold Cup with a 1-2-3 for Ireland and Willie Mullins, dual Gold Cup hero album photo had to give best to the De Bromhead pair. I-, I thought it was one of those Gold Cups that was great to watch Richard because it, it broke open.
0: Yeah from an early stage I mean <clears throat> you know you were going with with Champ at, out early, the two Henderson horses out early and then here you can see behind Frodon who's gone hard enough, you'd expect Frodon probably not to get up the hill from this position. Native River had stuck to the task but he'd always been flat to the boards and here the game of cat and mouse and Rachel Blackmore on the outside our Plutar, leading just in slightly, didn't cost Album photo but it's typical of the race riding for her of the week, taking every available opportunity to maximise her chances but this time the slight sting in the tail in the sense that one of her festival winners had been Aplutar, but another one, of course, had been Manella Indo.
1: I mean, shades of Ruby Walsh, Denman, and Corto Star, insofar as he, he couldn't not ride Corto Star that year, really, but still, technically, she would have had the option of riding Manella Indo.
0: Yes, it would have been hard with the, the balance of the Chiefly Park horses that had come her way previously in the week. Manella Indo was just rejuvenated in terms of returning to the festival. He, he's been fantastic. Uh, it went pear shaped for him from christmas time onwards and you can fully understand the way they've gone different ways why she made that decision but that was the only wrong range she pulled just about all week he, he was only beaten just over a length in the end apluta i know how painful this is for you nick to revisit i mean <laughs> yeah you know you you were the one that championed his cause he ran probably like you thought yeah. yeah, I just didn't expect Manella Indo to run to, quite as, as
1: well, well as Manella Indo did. So, yeah, he did every he did. I ran exactly as I'd anticipated. He because he's not spectacular and flashy at his fences. He's just neat and economical, and he gets the job done. And I thought he'd just pick his way round, be have the tactical speed, and arrive exactly where he arrived. Mm. But I reckoned without a, just a slightly slicker, smoother. More substantial, a bit more of a bruiser. Just every. Menela was just a tiny bit better in every department, wasn't he?
0: I think that's fair. And you could tell that from quite an early stage, couldn't you? Jack Kennedy must have been delighted. We'll hear from him later. If Rodon was getting pressure, not from Native River, who couldn't lie up, but always something. Black Op was just always applying a little bit of pressure, and that, that was quite important, I think.
1: I thought it was a fascinating race tactically. It was just a, it was a great race to watch the Gold Cup. It was an even great, greater race to watch if your name happened to be Henry de Bromhead, who's our first guest this morning. Good morning, Henry. Good morning, how are you? I'm uh, extremely well, thank you. Just trying to reflect and, and recover from what's been a, a spellbinding week. Just tell me a little bit about what it's been like at home since you got back to your to your base and just sort of what the place has been like, what the atmosphere has been like.
2: Oh, look, it, I mean, it's, um, it, it, well, it's been a bit quiet for me. We, we have to quarantine for five days, but, um, uh, it, you know, it's buzzing um, uh, around the place, absolutely. Um, uh, it's, uh, yeah, just unreal, really.
1: And obviously you went into the week with, unbelievable hopes and some fantastic horses as you said just you had to pinch yourself when you went out and had a look at them them every morning but could you could you possibly have conceived of exactly what it's been like no definitely
2: not i mean even last year we went with you know similar horses similar team and um yeah and we had a great year with two winners we were happy but you know it was it's so i suppose On the back of that, even you know, people were saying last year you could be leading trainer and all this kind of stuff in the build-up, and then we've two winners and and delighted, but possibly didn't quite fulfil what we had hoped we could do. So, I mean, coming into this year, you're looking at similar horses. Obviously, there's a couple more on the team and whatever else, but still, you know that it can go. It can, you know, it could just be the same as the year before, Um, and then we suddenly, you know. End up doing, you know, getting what we got, I and mean, it's just incredible, really. Yeah.
1: There were a few points that really hit home to me during the course of the week, particularly in some of your conversations with, with Lydia on Racing TV. And the first of those was when Honeysuckle won the, the champion hurdle, you, you were keen yeah. to remind us, and, and, and you did. A, a, that it hasn't always swung your way and you you, you heart back to sizing Europe and when he was a strong fancy of the champion hurdle and the bitter disappointment of that and it's a a reminder that the road to Cheltenham Bridges is a long one and and often quite bumpy and does that does that make the the good moments even more special?
2: Absolutely I mean so it's just it's so tough to win there and and I'm I'm not the only one everyone has it you know the ups and downs of the place and and that's that's racing really to be honest but there it's even, even more so and it's just so competitive um, uh, so yeah there's plenty of ups and downs and you know that's why you really appreciate the ups when you get them. And,
1: and in those early days you know, if, you, if there's an opportunity that's gone through your fingers do you think well I'm n- never going to get that opportunity again is, is, is there a little bit of that playing on your mind?
2: Yeah, there, of course there would be, yeah, you know, it's not often you'd have a favourite for a champion hurdle, so obviously that year with Europe was um, a real blow, you know, um, and so yeah, of course it was, uh, but you know, you just keep uh, <laughs> going your way back and and, and and trying again, and like, as I said, all week, you know, it's with the backing of, brilliant clients that give us the opportunity to buy these horses and, and an amazing team of people working with us. You know, that's, that's the reality.
1: Um, Henry, we know that success breeds success, but can you, think, can you identify turning points where your career moved up to another level, really, to, to, to get you to where you, you, you've got to now?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, in, in, in fairness to Alan and Anne Potts, when they first uh, sent us horses, you know, that was that was a massive moment. And um, rather interestingly, when, when their horses left as well, that was another big moment because a couple of weeks later, Chigginstown um, um, increased their number of horses uh, with us, you know, and um, horses from Willys at the time. And, and, you know, we've got some amazing, you know, Petri Moucho, Balca de Flo, uh, Valserito, you know. So that was another uh, pivotal moment. And it's just, I don't know. And and then we've all our, you know, Barry Maloney's been with us since I started training, he was in a syndicate. Um, uh, You know, we've just, I'm not going to list everyone, you know, but, but... uh, gradually, more and more people have supported us, and uh, you know it's 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 um, incredible, really.
1: You mentioned Barry Maloney, We're going to speak to Barry in a in a little while, so he'll be able to he'll be able to chat to us from from his perspective. But I don't suppose you mind who you train a Gold Cup winner for. But did it make it that bit more special because it was him, because of your your long standing association?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's special for everyone, you know, anyone, any winner there, there's a different story. You know, that's that's the thing I I, I find. Any winner, not even there, any winner you have, there's a different story. You know, um, they're so hard to get, but especially at Cheltenham. So, yeah, it was incredible to do it for Barry and and the Maloney's. Um, uh, You know, we've been trying for a while and and it was, but you know, it's like I say, to do it for any any of our clients, because they're great supporters of ours. You, you just want to repay the faith they put in us, you know? Um, so, um, the fact that this was Barry was brilliant, but it would be amazing for, for for any of
1: them, yeah. How do you look at the race now? In the sort of cold light of day, Minella Indo, length and a half in front of Aplutar, when, when you look back on the race how do you how do you read it
3: um
2: it was uh i do yeah it's like probably with disbelief still to be honest <laughs> um uh i was looking at it again this morning i was gonna go and this didn't happen um i i think both jockeys i sort of said it even a few weeks ago i didn't want to say they were and I, I wasn't I was just saying they're horses like Denman and Cater Star. I, I kind of always had someone even said it about him, you after he won the Albert Bartlers, you know, he, he reminded them of Denman, his style of racing. And um, I, I, I think they're sort of similar types of horses. I'm not saying they're the same ability or whatever, but they're similar types of horses, the two of them. And and I th- thought both jockeys rode them brilliantly. Um and, and exactly how I would have hoped when they were, you know, uh, beforehand that that's what they were going to do. Um, and yeah, just um, uh, Indo just, you know, he kept staying, but he's he, like, he's such a messer, you know, pricking his ears after jumping the second last, and then pricking them again coming to the line. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure we've seen, we've seen the half of him. He's, he's incredible. He's, he's so tough. And uh, obviously, Alejo's franking his form the day before because he could have questioned that form mid-season, you know, uh, with both of them when they both came out of sort of novice company, you could have questioned their form a little bit, but that got really franked, um, and uh, and then APT, you know, he he was he was brilliant. He kept Adam, kept up, at, kept Adam. At Obviously, the one fear was. Um, you know would he get that he's so much class would he get the last two furlongs And um, and he really did in fairness to him uh and wouldn't he have been a very impressive winner if indo wasn't there beating a true gold cup winner you know
1: yeah i know <laughs> you were were you a were you a ABT
2: supporter
0: yeah henry should point out nick's been a big fan and was telling us all from a long time that stamina would be no issue, forensic examining of the, the pedigree and Which I think initially right we about. were hubring.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, what, I, what I, I hadn't reckoned with, but it was, it was quite obvious to me from a pretty early stage that the, the enemy was within really, just because right. Manella Rindo looked like a completely different Manella Rindo to the one he would looked like, look like for the rest of the season, he was going with so much zest.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, like if you go back to Wexford the first day, you know he eyeballed Milan native and I mean they just went flat out for two miles seven around wexford and and you know he 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 just kicked them away. you know it was incredible. I thought what he did to a horse race at what he was racing. you know um but of course, you can pick four you know holes in in those smaller races, but um you know, obviously the Savills was disappointing when he fell and we had to try and get a clear round. We, we probably would never have been going for the Irish Gold Cup if we hadn't fallen in the saddle. Uh And our most important thing was to get a clear round and obviously win away, but it was to get a clear round. And I'd say that's probably, you know, saying that to Rachel going out, you, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, but... but um, and she did exactly what we wanted. Unfortunately, he couldn't pick up. But he's a different horse at Cheltenham. You know, he, he proves it. He's proven it the last three years. Alaho beat him in Clonmel before the Albert Bartlett. Um, he only just got home in his beginner's chase um, before the um, RSA. You know, you couldn't really fancy him. Obviously, he was 50 to 1 the first year. The second year, he was, he, he was sh- much shorter because. We all knew him a bit more, but he comes alive there, you know, he was kicking his door that morning. I sent Barry a video of him. I mean, he was kicking his door, just, and and normally he's asleep and then saddling him. He did what he did before the Albert Martin. he was just kicking the wall like he just wanted you know, whatever it is, (laughs) he just comes alive there.
1: It's, it's amazing. You can see that's a great shot, the overhead shot. You can really see his big old ears, properly prick. I know, yeah. He's such a matter. Yeah. Um, Richard and I were just talking. Obviously, it was an amazing week for, for Rachel, and she she's apologised profusely to everyone that she can't join us this morning. She's incredibly busy today. She's got to get to down Patrick. Absolutely no rest for the, for the wicked. But you know, she captured everybody's imagination with absolutely brilliant riding throughout... Was it, could she ever really have ridden minella Rindo in the Gold Cup? I mean, it, I can't imagine how she could have got off Aplutar really.
2: Um, I, look, I don't know. You know, that was her decision. I, I, I couldn't, you know, I just, I, be it a maiden hurdle in, you know, Sligo or, or, or the Gold Cup, I, I, I just don't want to interfere on that, in that. Mm. Um, I think I'd hate to put her the wrong way, and I also think, to be fair, on our clients, and uh, you know, I I just don't. I, I, it's her call. So that they both had great chances going into it, and um, she had to unfortunately had to make a decision, and that's the, the decision that she made. But you know, she's delighted for the horse, delighted for us, and delighted for the Maloneys. You know, she's a real team player, and. um you know, she hasn't come out of the... You might feel sorry for her if she's had no winner all week or whatever, <laughs> but she hasn't come out of the week too badly herself.
1: Um, we're going to hear from her in a few moments because she gave a lovely interview to to Gary O'Brien yesterday in at Thurless, with Cheltenham to Thurless to Downpatrick. It's a it's a pretty exacting week for her. I'm sure she, she's letting the adrenaline carry her through and um, it's a show what an amazing professional she is. Um We'll talk about her a little bit more in just a second, Henry. So, I've got some lovely shots of Manella Rindo returning to the yard uh, yesterday. He's scampered down the box like a fresh horse.
2: Yeah, he, as I say, he's funny. You know, he, he's always keeping a bit to himself. Um, yeah, he trotted up like a gazelle then, apparently, when, when he came off. So, um, yeah, no, he, he seems really good.
1: And are we going to see him again this year?
2: Yeah, I haven't really spoken to Barry about that, but um, I think Pontius Town um, would be great uh, if he seems good. Um, it's up to um Maloney's. We'll, we'll see uh, as well, obviously. We can go discuss it. And, and obviously very much up to him, but he seemed pretty fresh and well yesterday. So I think we should um, uh, strongly consider Pontius Town, yeah.
1: And do you think really the two of them, Manela and and Applitard are they just destined to knock heads in pretty much every three mile plus Grade One there is now? Is that is that them? Are they inextricably intertwined, or are you going to attempt to try and keep them apart?
2: Well, funnily, Applitard <clears throat> A- 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 is—he, uh, you know, his uh, his form is just r- ridiculously better on left-handed tracks, so. Um I think we might uh try uh, if he's good, if he's well and everything we we might uh, we're considering entry for him um uh hopefully for the three mile chase there yeah. and um you know that sort of limits him <clears throat> a little bit so um I, distant stuff but the race at haydock i think could be um, a lovely race for him as well in the autumn you know so um when you you know when you have two of them like that, it's it's obviously up to the owners at the at the end of the day. But you would love to try and keep them apart as best you can. And the fact that he's better on the left-hand track would would probably play a, a part. But if, if if you know if they want to meet, well then that's you know they will.
1: That's that's lovely. The the idea we might see him not just once but but twice more here, before before next year's Gold Cup, hopefully. Uh, We'll talk about Honeysuckle in a moment, but I, I guess one of your star horses who might not get as much attention and publicity as she deserves this week is is put the kettle on because there weren't too many tougher performances than that.
2: Yeah, she, <laughs> she was brilliant. <clears throat> she's, um, I, you know, she's just... Uh... She defies everything, I think. Um, Aiden's amazing on her. You know, I was in the press conference afterwards, I was going, yeah, look, I don't know if it's Cheltenham or, you know, I don't know what it is. There was some other thing I was coming up with as well. Completely forgetting Aiden, who's the other link that he's unbeaten on her. And uh, I said that at the end, I said, actually, you know what, probably the, the, main, the main thing could be that it's Aiden, you know, he's brilliant on her, he gets such a tune out of her like he threw her at the last three um uh, she's so willing for him and they just uh, have a great um, relationship and then she seems to love Cheltenham as well um she was a she was, I was never probably going to Leopardstown at Christmas I just didn't think um, that track would suit her we were planning to go to Kempton obviously we had the travel ban came in so herself and Monley couldn't go so um Although she was well beaten that day, I thought she ran well for a big open track. And you just have to take the Cheltenham factor and maybe, you know, and the the Aiden factor into account with her, you know, because they just do so well there. Um, and that's all we have to hope. M- Mid-February, I said it to Mary Darmody, will we, you know, should we consider the Marys chase? And um, she said, yeah, you know, we'll chat about it and see. So, um and then I happened to read the stats on the Arkle winners, which I'd forgotten, and that was what made me go for the uh, the Champion Chase with with Sizing Europe um, back in 2011. Um, Alan was keen to go for the Gold Cup, but I actually just said, look, I don't know if I can win you the Gold Cup, but i um, you know, I think we'll, we could win the Champion Chase, having, you know, knowing the stats, and and um, so. Uh, Reread those and they're just ridiculous um like out of ten winners of seven uh, ten arco winners seven or six have gone on to win the queen mother it's it's something crazy anyhow and i happened to read that and rang mary back and i said look if you're if you're keen and mary was always leaning towards the champion chase if you're keen yeah i'm really happy to go for that and that was it
1: yeah if the cards had just fallen slightly differently could have ended up winning the mayor's chase with with put the kettle on and, dare I say it, another mayor's hurdle with, with Honeysuckle. But I knew that wasn't the case because the Honeysuckle plan had been quite a long time in the, in the creating, hadn't it?
2: Yeah, it had. You know, now, like, we had to see, um, <clears throat> we had to see those um, performances. You know, it was still down to the Irish champion hurdle this year, you know, if, if, if you got beaten or, or just got up. You know, like if you put in a Hatton's great run in the Irish champion hurdle, well, then you might have been looking back at, at um, the mare's hurdle again, you know. But um, uh, fortunately, she put in that amazing performance. And yeah, last year it was the case of we wanted to go for the mare's hurdle. We thought it was our best chance. And um, we you know, obviously wanted her to win and get a winner for Kenny at Cheltenham. And this year, yeah, we were happy to roll the dice a little bit more. And then obviously after the Irish Championship, Honey made the decision. We didn't, you know, she just said, look, this is where I'm going after winning the Irish Championship. You know, she made it very clear where she wants
1: to go. Uh, she obviously really is in the absolute prime of her life, peak of condition. I know she's unbeaten, but she, she's looked a completely different ball game the last couple of times, uh, Henry. Is, is that just maturity, just exceptional well-being? What do you think that is?
2: yeah i'd say so um um she's you know like she feels like she's been around a long time but she's only seven you know so last like six-year-old winning the marriage hurdle you know that was pretty good and um uh but i don't know the yeah i'd say all of that but she just had like even i don't know i, I think she just has this thing that no one's going past her. like she's winning and that's just it i mean it sounds ridiculous but um even on the beach, you know, working there a couple of weeks before my my um, daughter was with me. And she was like, just watching Honey. her head is down and her, you know, the horse she was upside and sort of, and it's just not going past her. Like it, it's it's mad, you know, she, she just doesn't want to get beaten. You know, I think she showed that in the marriage hurdle last year, you know, when it was so tight that happens grace this year, you know, she just, she just keeps finding, yeah.
0: How useful, Henry, has the the mayor's program been in sort of laying the foundation for her? You mentioned, obviously, you had that as your platform last year. How useful is it in bringing on that type of horse, and before you have to really throw them in at the deep end?
2: Well, for a guy that uh, five years ago, everyone keeps reminding me uh, was going around saying I can't cha- train mares. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I was. Um, I think it's it's. Um, I was probably giving out about it then, but no, it's it's brilliant. It's it's actually opened up a whole new industry when you're seeing Philly foals making in nickel, no, you know, from, from the breeding side of things. Like, you know, y- 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 ten years ago you just didn't want a Philly foal. Now now you you know, you do. It's 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 so from from the grassroots. It, it's. I think it's opened up. It, it's actually developed a whole new industry. I really do. Um, those standout marriages. Okay, they've always had a value, but um, now you know, Honey's her pedigree was light, you know. But um, um, like they, they. She still. Okay, she made Asia 10 grand, but but because. Uh, we were starting to have a value coming out of point-to-point, like a four-year-old maiden point-to-point Philly, Mayor's maiden point-to-point winner, ten years ago, wouldn't make a whole lot, you know. Uh, three years ago, we, you know, you're know, you seeing them making three and four hundred thousand, like it's just incredible. So I think it's it's opened up a whole new market, which is brilliant, yeah. And, and look now what it's led to, you know, Mare's winning all the championships, you know, a lot of the championship races, you know
1: brilliant and and i talked to peter maloney the other day uh, the racing manager to kenny alexander kenny was on the show last week uh, and you know they both said that there was a plan at some point to to go chasing and they thought that might be that might be next year but obviously this might have changed the game what's what's your sort of instinct with that
2: yeah, look, it's obviously something we'd have to give a lot of thought to. And ultimately, I think it comes down to Kenny. You know, she's obviously an extremely valuable mare. It's probably a little bit more risk over fences. But funny, you know, and I don't want to tempt face, but she um, goes off loose uh, every Sunday morning in our indoor. And she actually takes off and just goes off jumping for sport. And... Um, And um, she jumps, so every Sunday morning, she jumps a chase fence about four times Um, and she loves it. Uh, Now, I haven't actually schooled her outside, but she's a point-to-point winner. She's jumping this sort of baby chase fence every Sunday morning. So she makes that shape over um, hurdles. So if Kenny said he'd like to do that, uh, yeah, you know. Um, But I, I think it's something we all need to discuss. Pros and cons, and uh, and then ultimately, it's stands Kenny what he would
1: like to do. I I did ask, uh, but Peter and I were having a, having some sport about it earlier in the week on my podcast, and I I did say, "Is the dawn run thing crossed your mind?" And he said, "I'd be lying if I said it hadn't."
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah, yeah. He he certainly um, mentioned that to me. uh yeah. A while back, he's got a little quieter about it now. Though recently, <laughs> we're winning all these Champions
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, the thing is, if you're if you're as you are and as he is, absolutely steeped in the history and the context of the game, it's going to be something that's going to float your boat, isn't it? That's the thing. It's going to. Yeah. B- b- thinking, God, oh, I could do what Dawn Run did.
2: Yeah, I know it'd be incredible. Yeah, and she was from Watford. Well, certainly the owner was sorry. Um, it would be amazing that stuff you know um, uh, yeah, 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 look, that's another conversation I think but I, <laughs> it has to be said like Peter's got such great input in the whole thing as well like this, he's he's brilliant um, to be, uh, and obviously Kenny but yeah both of them are great to, yeah, in, in the managing of them uh, you know they they just do want to do every- I like everyone they want to do everything uh, yeah. right for her
1: um I, I've kept you so long, and I, I, but I. But we had so much to talk about. I, just a couple more things I wanted to touch on, um, and I'll save the best to last. But first of all, uh, Bob Ollinger in the in the Ballymore. I mean, he looks another absolute beast. I mean, a proper beast. This horse could this be yeah. better than all of them eventually? Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. But uh, yeah, we, uh, Pat Doyle had him.
2: He won his points. Points. We were lucky enough. Um, Brian Ashton and Rob Cor were happy to buy him. Um Ken Parkhill trained him. Or the Bredham, should I say, you know, brilliant breeding operation up there. And um uh yeah, he's he's always worked uh, like an extremely good horse. He actually came with the Cheltenham horses last year to a place we go to uh for a gallop and he sort of worked as well as them if not better than a couple and uh, we are kind of getting pretty excited about him then. Um, he's got a lot of class and um, I was uh, sort of always heading two miles uh, through the summer and into the autumn you know, didn't want to go to Nase for a lesser maiden hurdle we wanted to go to Gorin and take off Ferdy Hollow uh, thinking we'd, be, that we'd win that and whatever else, but uh, anyway we got beat and in fairness to the team here and well, Rachel just said I don't think it really matters where you go um, but um, uh, fairness to the team and, and Brian, you know, they said, look, let's give two and a half ago and let's see where we're at there. So we stepped him up and, yeah, he seems to just be able to quicken off. You know, he he's he just got a horse he has got a lot of pace. He seems to stay, he seems to have a lot of things. Yeah.
1: Sometimes, Henry, you, you just see a rider around Cheltenham who just seems to have the place exactly where they want it we saw that this week in in Jack Kennedy and particularly in in Rachel Blackmore. You must have been asked this question five thousand times, but I'll ask it for the five thousand and first. Why is she so good? What is it that makes her so good and so successful
2: you um, I, I, you know she's just um she's works hard has had to work hard obviously really hard and you know a 20-year or a a 10-year overnight success you know she's just had to put all that work in has had all the knocks you know kind of like i know the feeling and 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 you know you just have to keep working your way through it knock try and step forward knock back and step forward you know and and um and she appreciates the, you know, what it takes to, um, uh, be at the top of, of, of this game. You know, she's, she's an incredible, um, she's just brilliant to work with. Um, uh, you know, has every race planned out as long as I don't interfere. Um, I thought some of her rides were just brilliant. She, you know, tell me something girl from the back. Um, Bob Ollinger, the, <clears throat> the top of the hill. Someone came up her, tried to pull her in to start racing. Then she checks them and pulls them back, you know, out of the race till till the second last. Honey, you know, I'm used to seeing Honey first two or three. And kind of when she was passing me uh, with a circuit to go, I was I'm looking at where six. My God, but felt very comfortable, you know. She. So tactically, she's just a brilliant rider and a great person. You know, to be fair, that's the easiest. I probably should have just said that at the start. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Well, the the tributes are extremely well-deserved, and long may they continue to flow. I've kept you long enough, Henry, um, but I'm sure you'll agree it was well worth talking about. Thanks so much
2: one of my topics i don't mind talking about at the moment nick and yeah, I have to say, yeah thanks for having us yeah it was brilliant and i have to say all credit to Cheltenham, you know um jennifer Pugh jennifer walsh barbara white they were brilliant they for us you know just um organizing us all and making sure we had everything done right bha everybody the protocols were brilliant we were looked after amazingly and um I wasn't surprised at all with what was raised because, you know, we couldn't believe how well we were welcomed and looked after over there. So um, it was great. It felt like a really good week from the inside on it.
1: And next year, all you got to do is come back and win all four major races because <laughs> anything less, frankly, is a no, no, damn disappointment.
2: <laughs> Same thought process as every year. One winner. If we can just get one winner, we'll be happy. So there you go. Back to that process again now. Yeah.
1: I'll remind you of that when you scrambled home in the Martin Pipe next year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly.
2: It could easily happen. It could easily happen.
1: They're they're, they're very special horses, Henry. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks a million. Okay. Henry de Bromhead, who dominated the Cheltenham Festival and one of those horses, the most important of them, um, Manella Indo, because he is the Gold Cup winner, is owned by Barry Maloney, who's been waiting really patiently for us as well, but I'm sure won't have minded listening to his his Gold Cup winning trainer. Barry, good morning.
4: Morning, Nick. How are you?
1: I- I'm-, I'm very well. Now, you and I first met, first spoke two or three years ago and you were building up a nice string of horses. But to win a Gold Cup now, how does that feel?
4: Oh, Just incredible. Absolutely incredible. I uh, can't even start to describe it. It's just been amazing.
1: And Henry was saying how you've been with him in one way or another since almost the very beginning. Can you take us right the way back to, to how you two first got hooked up?
4: Yeah, look. When I was back in college, um, we, were, we were in a syndicate um, uh, of college mates, and we had a we took a, a a rented horse that Henry's father at the time, and then Henry were, were training for us. So I've had an association with them since then. Uh, got to know them really well, and always said that if I ever got to the stage where I could afford to, you know, make a few investments and race horses that uh, I would, I would uh, work with Henry. So it's been phenomenal to watch his, his rise through that time. Um, and as you heard there, when you listen to him, that's, I mean, he, he's just a class act. He, he's got, you know, every horse, he has a plan for them. He uh, thinks carefully about it. He's, uh, he, his communication skills with the owners are impeccable. And he's as honest as the day is, is, is long. And when you put those things together, you get the result which he got this week. And I'm just so delighted for him.
1: And so you've obviously known him a long time, as you were saying, and you you massively admire his communication skills. What do you think makes him a a good trainer of racehorses?
4: But, uh, yeah, he has this affinity with with the horses. Every horse is is an individual, and, and he gets that. And every plan that he puts in place is based on what he knows about the horse. So, you know, we always talked about, you know, Henry's strategy has always been, you know, I want to build not the biggest stable in Ireland. I want to build a stable of quality horses where I can put the effort into making sure I optimise their chances of winning the biggest races. And and that's working for him, uh, as you can see. And it's just so brilliant to see what happens this week because for all the years I've known him, that's what he would say every Cheltenham. If I can just have one winner... But in the background, he was working away at improving the quality of what he had and building his brand and his franchise. And it's great now to see him getting recognized along with the Willie Mullins and the Gordons and, all, you know, the Hendersons. And, the, you know, it's just brilliant to see it happen.
1: And uh, you, because you, you've been a very successful businessman and you have a, a, a strong business background, have you, have you tried to, to help him in that regard? Because as you say, all these big trainers now, these super trainers, they are, they're more than just animal conditioners. They're a brand.
4: Oh, yeah. And, and yes, I mean, over the years, we've had various discussions about how to leverage his brand, how to leverage leverage his infrastructure, because, you know, for these guys, like it's tough to, for, for Henry to break into where he's broken into now has taken time, patience, and he's had to think differently about achieving what he has. So, you know, he's been very willing to try new things to you know at one stage to my horror, by the way, not even at one stage, he's still in it. He's still in some of the flat horses, right? But that was about trying to leverage the infrastructure that he has down there to try and get more of a return. Because it's tough with these guys, particularly in Ireland, when you've got the the likes of Gordon and Willie, who are just so big, so massive. And I've got such horsepower behind them to try and find a niche. And Henry's plan was always, I'm going to be smaller, but I want to get higher quality horses. And if I can do that and win these champion races, then that's how I'm going to build my brand. And that's what's happening.
1: This is a really interesting point, Barry, and I'm fascinated to know your thoughts on it because obviously one of the great motifs of the week has been just how dominant and successful not just one or two Irish trainers have been, but six, seven, eight of them. Three or four years ago, you had Mullins eight, Elliot seven, or Elliot eight, Mullins seven, and maybe one for Henry and not much for anybody else. Do you believe the Mullins-Elliot combined effect or the Mullins effect initially has dragged a whole lot of other trainers up to that level. Do you think it's had that effect rather than, you know, pushing them into submission? It's actually had the opposite effect.
4: Yeah, I, I think to an extent it has. I, I mean, you see that, like Gavin Cromwell having two winners this week. I mean, it's just fantastic to see that. But, but I think they have to figure out, you know, what's their niche going to be to build the kind of uh, business? Because at the end of the day, all these guys have to make money. And if you don't have, you know, you're not winning the prize money, you're not getting the quality of the horses in, it's very, very tough. And a lot of the trainers over here are, are struggling because of it. So um, I, th- I think what the Willie Mullins and the Gordon Elliotts have shown is what is possible to be achieved. And I think that's the, but I think for anybody yeah. to, to reach the kind of level that, that Henry's got to now, where he's able to challenge these guys, you've got to figure out what your niche is and how you're going to execute to it. Because it's, it, it, it is tough.
0: I was going to something from an English perspective not a British perspective, um, it can tell by the way you're, you're talking that um, Barry, that you know, your business background comes through. I believe it's a venture capital background as well, turning round failing businesses. Give us a bit of advice on the other front. If you're looking at the other side of the coin, one <laughs> of the key criteria is, it, is it all supply chain? Is it all competing for the raw material? Is that where the balance of power has, has shifted to your side?
4: Well, look, I mean, the, the the business that I've been in has been early stage technology investment. So, you know, the key to that is 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 picking people because, you know, I, I've been privileged to be associated with multi-billion dollar uh, companies built by entrepreneurs that we met at a very early stage, gave them their first couple of million dollars, and they've gone on to build global businesses. So what I, my learning out of that was, you know, pick the people. Uh, and my choice of the trainer i want to work with was the same principle you know pick the person you're going to enjoy working with because this is our hobby you know, myself my brother michael my other you know my family my friends we do this for fun and therefore uh, we're very ambitious for it but we want to be having fun and picking the right person where you have trust and confidence in the relationship is key and that's just like venture investing
1: and when you look at um, the strength of irish racing now the strength of irish national hunt racing relative to the sport in the, in the UK, and I'm not going to suddenly start bashing the sport in Britain because that's not what the exercise is about, but the more the strength of the, of the racing in Ireland. Willie Mullins talked about a, a plan that had been put in place by HRI two, three decades ago that's now, that's now reaping fruit. Is that something you subscribe to, Barry, just watching on and looking at the ownership base, looking at the, uh, the strength of various stables?
4: I, I think two things have happened. One is, um, and I think Mike Leleur has referred to this you know, a few times, you know, Ireland a, just as an economy obviously is much smaller than the UK, but growing. But the difference was people you know, were lucky enough to make money in their various phases of life. So we were able to keep some of the good horses here. I think that was extremely important. I think the other thing that's been absolutely critical is the government support for racing in Ireland. They have been phenomenal. And, you know, I heard some of the stats for every euro they've invested are getting like a 30x return because Ireland Inc. is and always will be a horse racing country. Yeah. And I and I think that payback in terms of employment and infrastructure all the way through the food chain, all the way through the point to point of breeding has been key. So, the, you know, hats off to the government and through them, obviously, HRI for continuing to do that and support the industry, because that's why we're getting results like we are this week.
1: And just wheeling back to, to the horse himself, to Manella Rindo, he's, he's already the horse of a lifetime, isn't he? Two Cheltenham Festival victories, and he, he ran so well there the other time as well, and now, now the, the race that matters most. Um, was this always the ambition? You know, when you started out as a race or you know, was this was what you are watching now on the screen what you, what you envisaged as the ultimate?
4: yeah look it it's it's been our dream, Nick I mean you know but what we what I always said to Henry is every year right and we myself and Michael my brother very keen on this right from day one right start with Cheltenham and work backwards and 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 the reason for that with every horse we've had is we've been going to Cheltenham for eighteen nineteen years with my father and my uncle and my brothers we you know we' never had a runner for years and years and years, and then with Mon Lee, we had our first um and Once you get to that calibre of horse, then the ambition is always, okay the Gold Cup, because that is the holy chalice. We never envisaged it would happen this early, um, but we're just absolutely thrilled. So, you know, to be honest, it's going to take months for this to sink in.
1: And you don't seem in any way... I mean, obviously, you'd have loved to have been there during the week, but just your sheer passion and enthusiasm... Um, for what's just happened. It doesn't seem to be too diminished by the fact that you weren't.
4: I know, Nick, I look I I we love Cheltenham. I mean it's our it's the highlight of our year. You know, we've all we've got the week blocked out every year, you know, the the crack as we say with the, our travelling group, with six or seven guys that come with us, with my uncle Noel, who is now eighty, um, comes with us every year. And so being there was was I mean just but we understood why we couldn't be so then the thing was okay well let's we're not there so let's do the next best thing and enjoy every single race you know uh and celebrate this event together and that's what's happened so we're not going to let the fact we weren't there take away from the accomplishment uh which is just the dream of a lifetime it's as simple as that
1: barry thanks so much for talking to us um best uh best of luck with him wherever he goes next and and many many congratulations.
4: Thanks very much guys. Thanks Nick and we'll see you again soon. On the other yeah. side hopefully we get through this stuff.
0: Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Al Cruel Dubai.
5: And head towards the fourth last. Frodo on hunting to take it, Manella Indo right there with him though, over that one. Black Op is back in third place, Album Frodo seeking this slice of racing history in fourth place. Aplutar just got slightly squeezed out there under Rachel Blackmore. Then Black Op on the outside, heading down towards the third last. Frodon on the inside of Manella Indo. Frodon over Manella Indo. Album Photo moving menacingly well in third. And Up Hutard now coming through strongly on the outside and just threatening to hold in Album Photo there. Running for the final turn. Frodon gives way. It's Manella Indo and Up that go on. Manella Indo by three quarters of a length to Up Hutard. Photo. but he wins the Gold Cup from his second half, Luton. Third is Album Photo this time, denied. Back in third under Paul Townend, another good run.
1: And I've I, I got a confession to make that I didn't actually realise that Native River finished fourth in the Gold Cup until about a day later.
0: They had their own private battle. Yeah. And Native River deserves a massive amount of credit, actually, but for sticking to that task, because just like a couple of years ago, he was off the bridle right from the word go. But They're great shots, aren't they? There's the oh, other brilliant. one with... with Bob Ollinger, when he looms alongside and almost seems to cast a little glance round, and you know, for those of us that don't ride, it's uh, it's an amazing sort of experience—virtual reality, but it's actually complete reality.
1: I know, and, and it, there's something about the loneliness of it as well, especially on a front runner. Where you, if you watch the whole the whole piece all the way round with Brian, he three and a quarter miles around Cheltenham. And, you know, when she comes back and says, oh, "I was talking to him on the way round," you think, well, He's actually talking to him all the way
0: around." And there's one bit where she says
1: go long at the open ditch he's (laughs) taken off outside the wings
0: I think as well probably shows better than we can the reaction of no crowds in the sense of the turning into the straight you're still hearing Brian in the thunder of hooves whereas I presume on a normal gold cup soundtrack you know the crowd takes over once you get to the second last so it it must seem I know they're in the moment but uh, particularly pulling up it must seem seem rather strange.
1: Yeah, very strange. And of course the what the, the first horse you saw loom upsides sides on there was uh, was the eventual winner Manella Rindo and what a monstrous menacing presence he was upsides her as well and he galloped all the way to the line in the hands of Jack Kennedy who I'm hoping is with me now. Jack, good morning. Hi, nick good morning. Now, you were busy again yesterday weren't you? Straight off to Thurlis yesterday?
6: Yeah, yeah, down down to Thurles yesterday for for two, rides.
1: Yeah and you had a winner as well. How did it how did it feel just to slip seamlessly back into into the mundane, dare I say it, from from what had been such a heady week?
6: Um, yeah, I suppose it was it was um a bit different, alright. Um <laughs> on riding in tourless after, after I was in the gold. Coast.
1: And are you are you off today?
6: Um, yeah, well I was meant to have two rides in down Patrick, but i I got a fall in Thurlis yesterday and I had been a little bit sore from my falls in Cheltenham, so I'm not riding today and, and just, just a bit
1: sore, yeah. OK, but you're OK? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, well, just. That, that is good news. It's fair to say that you were, you were duly appreciated yesterday, you and Rachel Blackmore. Um, the riders at Thurlis, we're just having a look at it now. Um, everyone at Thurlis gave you a, a lovely guard of honour. God, that's about as many people as I've seen on a race course for quite a long time.
6: I know, yeah, no, it was great. Um, it was a, a lovely touch from everyone at Torlitz at yesterday. Um, yeah, it was, it was brilliant.
1: And has it has it sunk in the last few days, Jack, at all, or will it take a while? Do you think? Um, I think
6: it'll take a while. Um, I'm still still watching it back and. Um, yeah, it's going to it's going to take a while for it to sink in. Um, yeah, I don't I, I don't know when it will, but um, it's great.
1: And you have packed so much into to such a short career. You're only 21. You've won a Gold Cup. You've won so many of the biggest races here and in Ireland already. But it's not been without it. its its bumps along along the road. I I sort of hadn't quite. Figured that you'd broken your leg four times. Is it four times?
6: Yeah, four four times. Yeah.
1: And when when that when that happens, you're so young, your career is just taking off, and then you get another interruption, and then you get another interruption. What gets you through that? What makes you think? Well, I've just got to keep going.
6: Um, I suppose the position. I mean, I'm very lucky that I have a lot of support from great owners and. And trainers. So um, I suppose if if you're in a position like that and you and you don't want to you don't want to be getting back from them injuries, then it's probably something you shouldn't be doing. Then.
1: And and in terms of your own temperament, I mean, everyone makes quite a bit of the fact that you're you're very laid back and you're quite good at taking the the rough with the smooth. Uh, is this is this true or is that just? What we see?
6: Um, no, I'd say it probably is true. I, I suppose when I do get a, a knock, I probably, probably, I'm probably upset over over it, but but not for long. I, I probably probably don't take long getting over them things and moving on then.
1: And you can move on pretty readily.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Now, now tell me a little bit about. Minella Rindo and when you knew you were gonna be riding him?
6: Um, I suppose it was probably about maybe three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, um my agent Kevin O'Ryan rang me and said that Henry was on to him looking for me for the Gold Cup for Minella Indo, so um obviously I was delighted, I kinda I didn't have a riding race. Uh, with Dell to work being out so um, I was delighted and I was in contact with Henry Dane and I went down I went down a couple of times to sit to on him and I I popped him over a few fences one day as well just to get a feel of him so um, yeah that, I, that's kind of when I found out I'd be riding him so um, it was great yeah.
1: And you've got plenty of good horses to, to give you some context as well so it's not like you don't know what a, a smart horse feels like. So when you sat on him for the first time and when you schooled him, what did you think?
6: Um, I was, I was, um, I thought he was a lovely horse. Um, he he jumped very well for me that morning. When I schooled him, and um, a lot of the, the lads in Henry's yard were filling me with plenty of confidence. Um, Davy Roche. Um, he called us that day that I was down there. He 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 said that he'd win the Gold Cup. So fair play to him. He was he was right.
1: And you you must hear that quite a bit from from some of those quite closely associated with these horses. You 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 must get filled with a lot of confidence. Does it does it have any effect on you or not?
6: Um, it probably it probably does. I suppose it's nice to be to be hearing positive things about the horses, so um I suppose it does give you an extra little bit of confidence, yeah. Yeah.
1: And it everything seemed so smooth for you through the race. Was there ever a moment where you thought you weren't gonna win?
6: No. Um was I was I was always happy with the way he was jumping and travelling. Um I suppose I was left in front a little bit soon and, and he can be kind of an idle horse so I was hoping the same thing wouldn't happen and that happened the year before, but um, he got out over the last and pricked his ears. And when a blue tire came up behind them, he he pulled out again, and um, he only done what he had to do really.
1: Were you pretty aware who it was um, pursuing you up the hill? Yeah,
6: just when we were turning, just when we were turning in for the second last, I could see in the corner of my eye, I could see the Cheviot Park colours. So. Um, I knew who it was. All
1: right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, did that did that make your heart flutter just a little harder?
6: Um, I suppose it did. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rachel was obviously on fire, so um, she was probably she was probably one of the people you wouldn't want to be to be chasing you down. But um, thankfully, Manelli and pulled out again, and, and she was brilliant.
1: And uh, you and Rachel really were the were the riding stories of the of the week. I asked Henry de Bromhead um, what makes her such a good jockey, and and he spoke warmly about her as a rider and as a and as a person. What makes her a fearsome rival in a race, Jack?
6: Um, she's very she's very tactically aware. She's um, she's brilliant that way, and horses just seem to just seem to run and jump for her. So. Um... Yeah, she she
1: was brilliant. There were contrasting emotions for you during the course of the week. Whilst it was mainly unalloyed success, there there is one image of of you completely on your own. So I can only describe it as trudging back disconsolately after Envoi Allen came down. Now, happily, he's okay. Happily, you were okay. Just try and explain why this was was so so difficult for you.
6: Um I suppose he's probably one of the most exciting horses in training and, and to be to be lucky enough to, to be riding him is massive for any jockey. And when something like that happens it's um it's devastating but um thankfully the horse is okay and we, we live to fight another day anyway, so yeah, we'll be We'll be back again
1: it sounds from from what you're saying and the way you're saying it, is that you sort of you feel a real sense of responsibility on him you you felt that you felt that perhaps more deeply than you might otherwise,
6: yeah yeah well I, I suppose like um like i said when when you get the opportunity to ride a horse like that, you obviously want it to to go as well as it can and Unfortunately, that's the case. But um, um, hopefully, he'll 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 be okay, and uh, we'll hopefully redeem ourselves anyway.
1: What do you what do you think it was? Do you think he was just a bit a bit sloppy at the fence?
6: Um, yeah, just I kind of was never really comfortable, even the whole, from from canter into the start. He was he got very wound up and ideally i would have liked to maybe have ridden him on the outside and kept it simple but um, i needed to get him covered up to get him settled he was he was very very keen and just went down and and um, grabbed at the fence he, he came up too soon and just landed on top of it
0: yeah jack it's one of the things that i noticed at the start when you were willing round. he was that little bit keen with you and he Sort of got away to the right, and initially I thought you were going to line up on the outside. Was that a key moment, looking back from your perspective? I understand exactly, and everyone would why you did it because you didn't want him to be over racing with daylight. But did that make it harder with the sight of the fences?
6: Um, well, he pr- I think he had enough sight of his fences. We weren't really um, we weren't really packed up that tight, but um, I think it was just the fact that he was he was keen and in my hands. Um, he probably just um, that's probably what made him made him come up so soon, and um, unfortunately, it, it it just didn't didn't work out for him.
1: Uh, and and everything in sport and in racing is about recency, and because Alaho and Minella Indo and uh, Monkfish Shishkin have all. Turned up and done their bit this week and have looked absolutely brilliant. Um, Would you would you caution that we don't forget Envoy Allen? In your mind, is he still is he still perhaps the most naturally talented of all of them?
6: Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Um, He's he's very exciting. So um, he obviously has to forgive a horse for making making one mistake. He um, he had never made a mistake up until that. So. I suppose it was all was going to come at some stage. It was just um, disappointing that it was then.
1: And I just wanted to to finish by asking you again, because you did try and explain it to Lydia the other day, but (laughs) it bears explanation one more time. How on earth did you win on Mount Ida?
6: Oh, I don't know. No, she she was very good. I think it was just a shock to the system for her early on in the race. She... uh, Right, she probably had never gone as fast with with so many horses, but um she started to warm into it nicely and um, she's obviously a horse with a lot of ability
1: yeah we're just we're just watching the early stages now, black and white colors at the back um, she's she's lurching like drunkenly over them at the back, losing lengths and lengths and then we we put you up at the at the end she's sort of hurdled the last and one with a bit to spare
6: yeah yeah she um like I said, I think I think she just got a little fright, and um, I suppose I just kind of gave her the chance to to ch- the chance to warm into it, and thankfully she did.
1: Oh come on! You must have even impressed yourself with that one, Jack.
6: Um, <laughs> I I kind of did, yeah. But I think the horse had a lot to do with it as well. Now she was um, when she did warm up, she was very willing.
1: Well, it's a very special week for you. Um, and we will we'll end where we started by just saying the brilliant performance in the Gold Cup, brilliant performance all round. Thanks so much for chatting to us. And I hope you, uh, hope you feel better to, 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 to ride again by the end of the week.
6: Yeah, thanks for me,
0: Amazing. Well, yeah, it's the resilience that I find astonishing and the ability, you could tell with the disappointment of NYI, And you could see it as he trudged up the straight as it unfolded. And yet you put that to the back of your mind, wipe the slate clean, move on both from injury, from a bad ride, that seems to be the ones that really sets the good jockeys apart. The baggage gets left to the sidelines, maybe not on the mm. way home, I don't know, but that, that's a, astonishing, really, that you can keep bouncing back from injury and from disappointment, and then, within, and also getting on a horse. So Formula One cars, you hear about why you can't qualify really quickly because your yeah. seat doesn't quite fit you. You know, at you've just won a gold cup on a horse where you've taken advice from everybody and you've hardly sat on it and you're just whirling as you go along. Yeah. That's what I find absolutely astonishing—the versatility that the leading riders can just jump on horses and travel at 35 miles an hour, jumping obstacles and just treat them completely dispassionately. You know, as I say, if you drew a Formula One comparison, yeah. you'd be having 10 months of testing, and you know, it, it's an amazing sort of juxtaposition, really.
1: Didn't you? Didn't you feel there that I know he's the coolest customer in the world, and he just got that lovely, very gentle way about him that talking about Envoy Allen you could feel the passion coming through more than about anything else
0: probably as well because it's the one that's left unscratched isn't mm-hmm. it from a professional point of view Rachel may have it with Plutar, much as you celebrate the success you look back and you have a good week and you think that was the one that was the one thing that didn't quite put I'll put that right I mean he's been in the profile for a while he won a Dingle Derby I think when he was you know in 2014 he won a Troy Town virtually his first ride and you forget how young he is and how much water there has actually been that's gone under the bridge but his laid-back attitude maybe that really is is really helpful being so placid Mm. it's a a rare commodity these days as as we know in (laughs) the world of social media and knee-jerk reaction being nice calm and placid is a, a good way to be I think
1: Well I would associate our next guest with being pretty calm in the main but I suspect that calmness was tested a couple of times this week when both Flooring Porter and Vanillier were not just winners at the Cheltenham Festival, but runaway winners from the front as well, and, and just breathtaking, the pair of them. Um, Gavin Cromwell joins me on the, on the line now. Morning, Gavin. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Gavin. Uh, it's, it's great to see you. How are the horses, first of all?
7: Yeah, great. Um, came home fine, and um, they were out in the paddock yesterday. All good.
1: And you were confident going into the, into the festival with... Um, with vanillier yesterday's winner, more confident perhaps than his price suggested, um, leading up to the, leading up to the event. But could you could you have imagined quite such a quite such a dominating performance?
7: No, um, I, I I expected him to run a big race, um, and I wasn't going to be terribly surprised if he won. But in the manner he did it, um, I am very surprised. Um, you know, it was a fantastic performance.
1: And again, this was um, Mark Walsh doing the steering, with whom you've teamed up to, to Cheltenham Festival success before. It was a, another miss for for Johnny Moore. Your thoughts must have been with him for, for most of the week.
7: Absolutely, yeah. you know he made a very brave call, in standing himself down. Um, you know, which he, he was obviously very difficult to do. Um, I think most guys, if they made that call, they probably would have packed their bags and went home and johnny was very manly by he stuck around and and um, greeted both horses back in and gave all the help he could and and, in riding instructions and helped the lads um particularly with flooring porter and and danny mullins um it was quite a quirky horse and um you know johnny was a big part of that and and, um you know it was it was very good of him
1: well this was vanillier let's have a look at flooring porter as well because it was a a, a similar performance in many respects and you were a little bit worried going into the the meeting about his his sort of temperament and how hot-headed he might be but it, Danny seemed to harness it really effectively
7: he did um, you know as I said that uh, um, Johnny was obviously huge um, help to him with instructions but um, absolute hats off to Danny um, he showed brilliant horsemanship because um, he is quite a quirky horse and um, I know it might have looked to the naked eye a very simple ride but it was only it only looked simple because he made it um, you know he made it look like that um, he he was very good on it
1: so what was it what do you think he was doing that we couldn't see if that makes any sense
7: um, the horse you know it's it's only in the last few runs that we've we started riding them from the front like this and and albeit by accident um, he wears a tongue tie because he, he tends to, he gasps and holds his breath. And I think it's where, you know, he, he has this kind of nervousness, um, and he panics a bit, um, and you really have to, to ride him through your body rather than through his mouth. And that's what Danny did. Um, and you know, obviously he was going a right gallop, but he was in his comfort zone in front and, and he got a breeder into him and, um, you know, he got all the fractions right, and and um, you know, he he went to the line well.
1: And he had a, just half a little wobble, didn't he, halfway up the running? Uh, did you have your heart in your mouth at that point?
7: I was actually standing right there. um Yeah, a little, but we—it was something that we really had expected, and 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 Danny was watching for. Um, and I don't think it's—you know—he's he, just as we all know, he is a bit quirky. And, Danny explained after the, he more in this on this occasion he put it down to when you come off the round of the course that you're asking a horse to go up the straight up a tunnel that they can't see the end of it, it's a blank tunnel and it is a little bit intimidating for, for them especially if it's a quirky horse.
1: For every single person who's had success, and we've spoken to Barry Maloney and Henry de Bromhead and Jack Kennedy already this morning, Gavin, you're no exception. For every person who's had success at this festival, there, there is a story of getting there that is not always necessarily straightforward. It rarely is with horses. It doesn't just just happen overnight. Um, was it always your intention to train, though?
7: No, not at all. Um, i come a farrier that um, you know, I was shooing for about 25 years full-time. Um, and a part-time trainer for, I suppose, maybe 10 of that. Uh, I used to ride out a couple in the mornings and then go shoeing. And, um, yeah, I suppose we I just stumbled across a couple of nice horses and, and um, it progressed, and uh, I suppose here we are now.
1: So the, the plan was never, maybe is never, to, to become, you know, you weren't, you weren't thinking, oh, I, I want to set out to be the next Willie Mullins or anything like that. You, you really did just stumble into it by accident.
7: Yeah, but I was probably very lucky in the fact that uh, um, the farrier business is. i be a very hard work, and, and but there is a good living to be made at it. And I was fortunate enough to to be able to use that money to put put into building up, you know, facilities. And and uh, only for that, I wouldn't like to be trying to to do it from just working in racing and trying to step into it. You know, I, um, everything I have, um, we just built up over time. And, um, you know, as I said, it it just wouldn't be, it wouldn't be easy without that.
1: And, you know, you had your, you had your marquee horse early on with, with Espoir who who bolted up in the champion hurdle. And then tragically, you lost him so soon afterwards. I mean, at at that point, did you, did you think that opportunities like this wouldn't present themselves again?
7: Uh, No, not really. I, I mean, I, I was lucky enough this was before that i i, I had um, won a couple two grade ones with with yeah and um, i suppose we were fortunate enough she she was a homebred filly that um on on paper i think she she went through the sales ring on sold at seven grand and, and um you know j p fortunately bought her and that that um built up a relationship there and and then esper Dallin came and um you know i, I there's still a the relationship there and, and uh, hopefully that we can continue. And I suppose, um, you know, I, I still have great confidence um, that we continue and, and get nice horses. And um, yeah, it's, it's great to go there and, and, and win in Cheltenham again.
1: And what you've done with these two horses is, is amazing. And um, I don't know, you must've got to the last and I thought, well, he, he's going to get the hat trick here with Gabby Nacco. Is Gabby Nacko okay? Cause he, he got brought down. It was no fault of his own.
7: He is fine, yeah. He's he's perfect. I um, feel well, sorry for Conor Mcnamara because um, I think he had the choice of, of riding Willy's as well, which which was the winner. But um, he Connor he he works here. Um, he's here most of the time. And he, he does two mornings a week in Willie Mullins. And, um, but look at um, that's that's racing for you. Um, but Gabby Naco was fine, and, and uh, we've we'll got him out again at some of the festivals.
1: And, Gavin, are you, are you still a farrier as well?
7: Um, I am, yeah. Yeah, well, I I'm, I don't really practice very much. I'd stick on a few shoes and maybe look at a lame one. That's the that's height, but I, would, I wouldn't have time for it anymore.
1: And I mean, you, were, you, you, you were Tiger Rolls man, weren't you? Yeah, I was indeed, yeah. Um,
7: uh, I shot for Gordon for years. Um, it's only in the last couple of years that, we, that I, I don't
0: do it anymore. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by our
1: Basti Cruel Dubai. Well, two themes that you've touched upon already. One, you know, the fickle finger of fate, the changing fortunes, call it what you will. Secondly, the extraordinary success of, uh, of the Irish during the course of the week. Well, and add a third one to that, the amazing run for mares. Not just honeysuckle and put the kettle on, but just about every handicap as well. And winning by miles, um, Mrs Milner was one such mayor, ridden by Brian Cooper. And for Brian, the Wheel of Fortune's gone through a fair few revolutions over the last few years. And he, um, and he joins me now. Brian, good morning. Morning, Nick. Where are you? I'm, I'm really well, thanks. I think that's a fair, a fair summing up, isn't it? It, it? You have had a, a, a pretty topsy-turvy few, few seasons, but do you feel now that you're somewhere back near where you want to be? Um, yeah, well, I think being back, like riding
8: riding winners in Cheltenham is where I think where every jockey wants to be. And when you get to that point, um, you know, it's just, it's just great to be back there.
1: And when, when everything happens so early on and so quickly in your, in your career, does it put sort of pressures on you that you, you hadn't really anticipated when you're, when you're really young and carefree and growing up? Um, no well i suppose
8: looking back now i probably took things for granted a little bit and uh just felt that that was always going to be the way that i was going to be there on the big stage competing on the big stage riding winners on the big stage but that obviously wasn't the case and i had to go and change change a few things around when i did have that quite spell, but as i said i'm just delighted to be back there so what what turned it around for you do you think um I suppose I, I I can't thank Paul Paul and James Nolan and uh, another few of the, the smarter Yards who have supported me over the last couple of years. And like without them, uh, being honest, I don't know where I would be if, 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 without them. You know, they gave as I said, they gave me something when I didn't have anything, and um, I'm just very very grateful to them.
1: Paul Nolan's a a, a popular guy as well, and I think people are people root for him. You know, he's had grade one success, but then had a few quieter years and has, has come back a bit. Do you, do you see yourselves very much on the same wavelength?
8: Um, well, I suppose I, I had the grade one winner last year and I think I, I, since 2012, I, I, I got to write a grade one winner every year bar 2018 and 19. So to me, that, 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 that was a lot. Um, mm. you know, I love riding on the big stage and I love competing at the top level and, um, just to just to be just to be back there was great
1: let's talk about the the race itself and talk about mrs. Milner she was a bit of a revelation to us was she any kind of a revelation to you
8: um, yeah it was my first time riding her she she came she was coming off the back to the back of a bad fall in Leperstown and it's gas like James and Paul They'd never really give me instructions but that morning James ran me he said just don't be too far away don't, uh, at the top of the hill, this may will come home for you. And uh, I knew then they, they definitely did fancy her and um, I got shuffled back actually to top of the hill. I got into a bit of traffic problems, but um, she came home well and I didn't think she'd win the way she did, but she was very impressive.
1: She was really impressive. And, and coming off the back of a pretty nasty fall at the, at the Dublin Racing Festival, did, was, she always, was she always comfortable through the race?
8: Yeah, um, she went down to the second and actually put down, and I knew she'd learned from the fall because she can be quite brave. And um, I, I knew then that the, the fall didn't affect her confidence. And um, there wasn't much daylight in the race, but uh, her jumping was unbelievable, and um, she hit the line fair well.
1: Uh, Richard and I were just chatting before you came on, Brian, about you know. Wh- we didn't get to see that much of you guys during the course of the week because obviously you had the the Irish village over the over the way and then you'd come in and out of the paddock and do your thing obviously you can't be in there partying because that that's not what you're allowed to do at the moment but what what just give me a flavor of what would the atmosphere was like growing there during the course of the four days
8: um well, it it was strange obviously with with no crowds and everything it, it was like you know, when, you're, when you, I suppose, when when you you when you do ride winners in Cheltenham and you pull up at the top of the hill, the first thing you look over is the crowd. And when there is no crowd, it, it is strange. But they look, they put on a fantastic show. Jennifer Pugh and uh, um, Jennifer Walsh and Barbara White, like to, to get us there. And you know, even the, in the in the Irish little village, that everybody was out in the stand cheering us on. And the little shout they gave us when we were um, when we did pull up, it meant a lot. But um, we were look. We were just so grateful to, to to get over there and 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 be competing there.
1: Do you have a greater depth of appreciation for it for 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 all the reasons we've we've spoken about? Um, yeah, well, I, I'm just,
8: I, I said it at, 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 after we put up. Like, I was just so happy to to be there and be competing, and I I suppose, you know, that to to have some great rides as well was was unreal, and I was just it was just great to be there.
1: And, and gives you a, a, another lift for the remainder of this season and into next year as well how do you anticipate kind of dividing your time in terms of who you're riding for, I know you're running quite a bit for Willie Mullins now as well the Nolans and others, how do you, how do you anticipate the next sort of year 18 months unfolding um,
8: well I suppose I'm, I, I, I got my, my, my ninth winner in Cheltenham so I, I'm going to want a tenth one so I'm going to have to keep working <laughs> hard um, you know keep, keep the the foot on the throttle as someone says and you know just 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 keep improving. You know, I'm still only twenty eight and um I, I feel I've plenty plenty of years left in me but I have to when you get these opportunities you have to you have to deliver. So I'll be taking every opportunity I get and um trying to do my best for everyone that support me.
1: Gary O'Brien who who obviously knows you well he, he said on uh, on racing TV yesterday that you'd been quite hard on yourself the last the last two or three years and uh, you know given yourself quite a quite a hard time and said that you know you you needed to sort of up your game and you'd needed to 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 up your up your work ethic can you can you stop being as hard on yourself now or are you gonna have to keep being as hard on yourself
8: no i definitely feel i have to be um that that bit hard on myself um i there was nobody going to make things work for me only me i had to i had to there was nobody going to hold my hand and do it for me you know i had to be the person to change, change a few things, change probably my work ethic and um, prove, prove to people that I wanted it and you, you're, you're forgotten about very quickly in this game so if, if I sit, sit back again and let and just think things are going to happen for me they won't so I have to keep, keep proving people that I want it and um, I feel as long as I'm doing that and delivering on the days when I get the opportunities that I hopefully I'll, I'll continue to get the opportunities.
1: And with that in mind and with that outlook are you enjoying it as much as you ever did i or maybe you're enjoying it more now?
8: um yeah, very much so i i I, I first say I, I am enjoying it I, there was a point when I wasn't for about a year to eighteen months where I wasn't sure if I did want to keep doing it, but I can honestly say I'm really enjoying the game. I'm just delighted to be going racing and um getting getting the opportunities that I'm getting.
1: Well, uh, we certainly enjoyed your success last week. I think everybody did um as we did the other eight Cheltenham festival winners hopefully there will be numbers 10 11 12 who knows this time next year uh brian thanks so much for chatting to me best of luck for the rest of the year thank you cheers
0: luck on sunday proudly sponsored by al Basti cruel dubai
1: well there, there were a, a few British-trained winners at the, at the Cheltenham Festival. This section will only take about 30 <laughs> seconds, will
0: it? Yeah, I have to admit, when the horse we're gonna talk about passed the line on the Tuesday, yeah. I walked down, just briefing from the commentary box and thought, that won't take any topping for me. That's, <laughs> that's gonna be my highlight of the week, because you're always thinking early on, what will you tell them at the end? To some extent, it still was, but I didn't realize how rare how rare it was going to be for Mm -hmm. many of the reasons and we're talking vintage clouds in the the Ultima Um, because it was the fifth time he'd run in the same race, he was now 11 years of age he'd placed twice in it, he'd fallen in it and he went with fantastic verve throughout because jumping hasn't always been his strong point they'd waited to put cheek pieces on and it was just great when everything came together with a horse that Look, I'm a commentator as well, the greys are always very close to your heart because they, <laughs> they help thin it out a little bit and when they keep turning up it's the, it's the beauty of national hunt racing from a, a follower's perspective to see the same horses year after year. A commentator's dream isn't it, What a almost white
1: grey, yeah. big old pair of cheek pieces and a white cap and sleeves as well, you've got the
0: the whole lot. Yeah, it didn't stop me muddling up a few greys later on in the week but uh, yeah, on this occasion absolutely. It's only a question of remembering, you know, the... I th- the other point to this is the Ryan Mannier situation. You heard Brian Cooper say he yeah. had 12 to 18 months when he wasn't in love with the game. Ryan, obviously, long association with the Yard, written a Grand National winner, but this was the first Cheltenham Festival and we had Kevin Sexton who'd given up for 18 months and two years and the fact that they can be drawn back to the love of the sport when taken out of the, the day-to-day, mundaneus battling weight and have the ability to bounce back. I, I thought that had the complete package before we began to get into Rachel Blackmore and the Irish domination I I thought it was one of the real heartwarming successes of the week still is it just seems a little bit of a long time ago now doesn't it
1: it does it was in fact only only five days ago that Vintage Clouds won the Ultima at the fifth attempt Sue Smith is on the line now morning Sue morning Nick Uh, what a splendid animal this horse is how's he been since
9: Uh, came out of his race absolutely superb he's in great form
1: and fifth time fifth time lucky, it took a bit of a leap of the imagination. But I spoke to Harvey earlier in the week, and he, he said he felt that, that the breathing operation had worked. It, were you quite confident of that going in?
9: Um, yeah, because he'd been working, you know, quite well at home. He, he didn't run a bad race up at Kelso. Um, you know, he's had this wind issue sort of throughout his life, really. So, but the, the form he was in at home here and the ground drying up a little bit has really helped him.
1: And Richard was talking about Ryan Manier, you are and have always been you very loyal to jockeys who've, who've done great things for you, you teamed up for your, your Grand National success, how, how pleasing was it for you, if you like, that he, that he came back to the sport and came home?
9: Uh, yeah, well, you know, obviously we were using Danny Cook in between and uh, Danny did a great job for us um, and then when Ryan came back onto the scene you know, we started a little bit by bit and he asked if he could come up and ride out for us and and it's really gone from there.
1: And again, we spoke to Brian Cooper who seems to be, you know, enjoying his riding more now than he than he, than he ever has before. Do you think the same comments apply to Ryan?
9: Yes, I think so. Yeah, he's, um, I think he spent his time away doing quite a bit of hunting. Um, he's, he's a very good horseman. Um, you know, I think he is really enjoying it, he's had a good few winners this season and obviously you know I think this is the icing on the cake for him so far this season you know to go and ride that old lad a winner at Cheltenham.
1: And, and it, it reminded me a little bit, I, I know they're very different horses, different distances and what have you, but the fact that he came back at an advanced age uh, vintage clouds, it reminded me a bit of that performance of, of Mr. McGoldrick at huge odds of yours the other year when he he just looked completely rejuvenated by the experience.
9: Um, Well, I suppose, you know, we keep these old horses going perhaps a little bit longer than some people. Uh, You know, Mr Hemmings bred this horse and um, really, really a great stalwart of ours, you know. So, uh, you know, he he keeps going for us. So I'm sure that he'll probably go another season the way the form he's in now after the wind operation that he's had.
1: Are you tempted to, to go again with him this year?
9: Uh, this season, you mean? Yeah. Um, well, he, he'll he definitely get an entry in the Scottish National. Uh, possibly the Sandown race could also be an option. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Sue, so it's great, uh, these horses that come back time after time. Um, and, but just to point out, you know, you, yours and Harvey's long-term involvement and it's the culmination of lots and lots of hard work in very difficult circumstances this year. So it, it's a reward for everyone's... Um, you know work over the course of the last few months
9: yeah definitely Um, you know we've we've not had a good year sort of by our standards I know that we don't have huge amount of winners but uh, you know the weather hasn't been very kind to us up here we've also been building you know quite a team of nice young horses and also a young team of people which really want to do it and that makes a big difference to you and, and things are just starting to come good now
0: you mentioned the purchase of, of young horses there, something I think we're going to be chatting about yeah. a little bit more. How hard is it? You mentioned that Vintage Clouds is a homebred obviously from Mr Hemmings. How hard is it to compete with the raw material these days that you feel you need to produce sort of Cheltenham Festival winners of the future?
9: Well, you've, you've just been speaking to, you know, Henry de Bromhead and people like that, you know. I think there's, there's quite a huge amount of money going into horses. The northern trainers don't seem quite so fortunate in, in getting that type of horse come to them. There are a lot of good northern trainers, but you've obviously got to have the ammunition to go to war with, haven't you?
1: You have. And is it, is it harder to get hold of for you? I mean, when you're going to the sales, Sue, do you see, a, do you see fewer horses that you would really want to, to buy? Or are the opportunities there, you just have to pay more for them?
9: I think the opportunities are there, but you've got to pay more for them, but, you know, Harvey, he's he's bought the majority of all the horses over the years, you know, that have come into the yard, and we've done very well with them, not huge prices, uh, but obviously it does make a difference if you can really go out and um, buy a, a star out of the point-to-point point field that's sort of virtually already made or on its way to being made.
1: And that's it, because you you would back yourselves to make these horses, essentially, wouldn't you? To look at the raw materials and think, well, you know, we, we know enough about horses to be able to take these to the to the next step. If if somebody's already essentially filtered the less good ones from the really elite ones, it makes it even harder to get your hands on the ones that that might end up being really good. Oh
9: yeah, definitely. Um, and we buy a lot of we've bought a lot of three year olds in the past, and that's a waiting game. Um, Lots of people don't want to sort of go that route now, so you have to spend time. Uh, that is why, you know, the horses out of the point-to-point field are so much more popular, but obviously coming out a lot lot more expensive.
1: Um, Sue, it's great to talk to you. It was, it was fantastic to see you have another uh, Cheltenham Festival winner. Um, roll on the Scottish National, and uh, hopefully there'll be a few more great days in Vintage Clouds.
9: Thank you very much.
1: Um, Sue
0: Smith. Sorry, Richard. No, I was just going to say, it's, it, I really hope he wins the Scottish National as well. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got how many in there? How many is normally in the uh, Scottish 30 Nation? normally. Yeah. 30, yeah.
0: It's a bit scary early on there as well, so a nice grail do you did
1: well in the Midlands National yesterday off a monitor.
0: <laughs> it wasn't. Like 14 coming straight yeah, at you. It wasn't, it wasn't a normal Midlands National, was it? But no. no. I think those handicappers, we, we tend to talk, obviously, we're talking about the quality horses at the end at the end of Cheltenham, but they are the backbone and, and their absence was sorely missed. Again, I'm not trying to be flippant and selfish, but I was looking at fields like the county hurdle thinking, wow, I don't know half of these because they're, they're Irish handicappers. Normally, you'd pick up a field of a county hurdle and think, well, there's 20, 20 handicappers yeah. there that I'll know straight away. And, you know, Nicky Anderson have a few, Paul Nicholls have a few, Dan Skelton have a few, and there'll be a smattering of, of other trainers, all of whom potentially having a winner. But on this occasion, it was... Know, three J.P. McManus horses and a lot of Irish handicappers, all of whom did very well. And that mm-hmm. handicapping system might be something else we we touch on as to, you know, whether or not it's you can pay a lot, you can get the highest quality horses, but by the time they run in handicaps, in theory, it should be a level playing field if the handicap system is working. It doesn't matter how much you've paid for them, you've assessed their merits and you've given them marks. And it was very noticeable how, you know, the English I keep saying English, great British horses were losing out um, in handicaps as well. Now, I'm not going to pretend to draw parallels of you know whether or not all of the Irish are underrated or anything like that. There's certainly been a lot, lot of hot air on that down the years. But it is interesting as to whether or not there is a way of ensuring equilibrium amongst two discrete bunches of horses that only overlap intermittently, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I, I can't see why in 2021. We can't figure out a unified yes. handicapping system. Basically, that I mean, it I might, it might be. To. You'd end up with this, exactly the same result. It I'm well, quite convinced that this is more to do with production than about anything else.
0: But and it may, and that's absolutely the point. The, the issue at the moment is there's no real way of absolutely proving it. All you can say is that for those that want to be cynical about it, protestations, admittedly on you know presenting Perseus but Tiger rolls, marks, fall on deaf ears when. They then win such a big high percentage of the handicap. So let's try and sort it out. As you say, in this day and age, surely integration can't can't be impossible.
1: If if Langadan was one of the theoretically best handicapped horses in the world going into the going into the Martin Pipe, I mean, how well handicapped was Galapande? Shot, I mean it.
0: Yes, but then how much more could you have given him? Well, that's the issue, and I do understand that there has to be, you know, parameters etc. But I think certain things about how how fast horses are dropped, I think, mm. is a very interesting dynamic between the two jurisdictions and how there's probably not enough all the handicaps will tell you there is and I'm not trying to demigrate their job but you know I call races on a Tuesday somewhere where a horse that looks well exposed the race maybe falls apart one or two don't perform and they get put up double figures and then I come across them six months later and they're still five pounds higher than the the mark they won off that day despite it becoming obvious that in actual fact the balance of their form now you might be able to mathematically prove to me that that is the case but I would say to you if you look at the horse's whole body of work the standout figure is surely going up ten you know and it's very hard I understand but something doesn't quite sit right with my mathematical brain of the merging of those two groups as to what the disparity is caused by but there does seem to be one okay I mean, your,
1: your mathematical brain works extremely well. Not as well no, to I'm, a, I'm a novice brain, compared so. to James.
0: I mean, James, you know, James Willoughby is the person, obviously, to, to pull this all together. And, you know, um, but just looking at the way things pan out and fall, that, that's my gut feel, is that it's something to do with the falling in this country. I think Alexander posted something the other day, a list of horses that had gone up very quickly.
1: And then fallen very slowly.
0: Yes, and I think there's, that's quite important because you're having to run a lot then possibly in races that don't suit you, and then we get into the whole handicapping system and manipulation of, etc. But if the handicapping is underpins everything, then it probably needs to be as analysed as possible. And in this day and age, I sort of feel there must be better ways of proving or disproving yeah. certain theories. Well,
1: Rachel Blackmore won't mind because she just wins grade ones. <laughs> and she she is on her way to Downpatrick today, and she she profusely apologise for not being able to participate in this programme but she's got about 14 media commitments that she'd already committed to she's got to get to down Patrick she's very very busy but she could talk at some length yesterday at Thurlis to Gary O'Brien.
10: It's been some week for both of you obviously I'm sure you're quite tired no doubt at this stage and I'm sure it's been a whirlwind few days but can you put it into words just what the reaction has been like since you got home maybe?
11: Oh look it's been incredible. Um... You know um just all, all my family and friends everyone's getting such a kick out of it um you know it's been it's been unbelievable um you know when there's cameras down in the local butchers he there's oh you must be doing something right so uh yeah look it's been incredible and incredible for, for henry and i think he, he got a great welcome home down in uh in knocking as well uh this morning so yeah, look, it's brilliant.
10: Brilliant is right. It's not just you. I think your mum and dad are going to have to start getting an agent for all the media work they're <laughs> being called in for as well, are they?
11: Yeah. Oh, look. The my mum is is enjoying it all. So, uh, yeah, it's great.
10: Terrific. And have you had a chance to even enjoy some of the races back since you got home, or has it just been non-stop? Uh, w-
11: watched watched. So I watched Tuesday when I got home. Uh, I watched the Gold Cup first, and then I headed on to Tuesday to happier things. But uh, no, look. Uh, it's it's amazing like had uh, such a phenomenal week Um, you know riding for such powerful people and um, you know Henry was just completely unstoppable this week so if you were getting legged up onto one of his in the parade ring you were you were halfway there nearly
10: yeah it was brilliant to watch you were just taking advantage of every opportunity and Honeysuckle obviously that was a brilliant way to start it all off and I guess it was always going to be hard to top that wasn't it she was just amazing on Tuesday
11: oh she was she was just incredible Um, you know it's when you're heading over there with such a strong book of rides, you know, you're, it's, a, it's a fair weight off your shoulders too when, when when one of them gets their head in front and for it to be her in the champion hurdle, like, it's, it's beyond belief, really. Um, she just seems to be getting better every time and, you know, she's really come into her own this year. And, uh, yeah, fair play to Henry. Like, he just produces her in tip-top shape every day.
10: He's done some job with her in the week just kept on rolling from that point on. And you had to bounce back from a few falls along the way, I guess that's the life of a jump jockey, but it was great to see the way you rebounded, and I guess when the adrenaline is pumping like it must have been, that was probably a big help, was it?
11: Yeah, um, Yeah. A, f- a few URs is not ideal going around Cheltenham, but um, yeah, we'll... Uh we can firmly forget about those there was plenty of highlights to remember so um yeah look it was brilliant
10: and i suppose if there was one low point from out on the track it was finishing second in the gold cup albeit to one of henry's but i guess you must have been really proud of proud of a plutard he ran some race didn't
11: he? Oh unbelievable and incredibly happy for for you know for everyone um for the maloney's they put so much into the game um for henry for Emmett raher he looks after the two horses down down in henry's and you know the two horses he looks after, finish one, two in a gold cup. Um, you know, there was nothing in the two of them and, yeah, Jack will have a, a much longer career left in this game and uh, I'm sure he's he's over the moon and he's, he's going to have a fantastic, um, yeah, he'll have a lot more gold cups, I'd say, hanging on his shelf by the time he's finished.
10: Oh, and hopefully you're going to have one as well because, I mean, he's only a young horse at Plutardi, he could easily go back for the next few years, couldn't
11: he? Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, he, he's he's really... Um, come into his own, I think, stepping up and trip and uh, yeah, we co- we couldn't have been happier with him.
10: And Rachel, you mentioned Jack there. He and you were given a guard of honour going into the parade room there. I think it was before your first ride of the day. What was that like? I know there's not too many people here at Thirless today as we're accustomed to these days <laughs> but everybody who was here was there were not
11: they yeah i was uh i think both jack and i were, were glad we weren't doing it on our own at least we got to do it <laughs> together but so uh so special and thanks to everyone who came out and and clapped us in and everyone who was in Cheltenham last week as well like they all went to such an effort to, to cheer everyone back in you know there was one percent of the crowds there but everyone still made you feel very special and um you know all the like the Irish connections up in the best mate stand, like you know, you get such a kick off of all of that, and yeah, everyone, everyone there made it a very special week.
10: I think everybody who was watching at home probably felt that camaraderie as well. And Rachel, just getting back to matters more immediate. Now, I guess you're always looking forward in this game. It'd be lovely to push on there and win that first jockeys' championship. I guess that's going to be the big goal between now and the end of the season, is it?
11: I tell you what, I, I haven't, I barely looked on to today <laughs> since I came back. I think I'm still just trying to draw breath from the last four days and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take stock and see. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a massive week post processing all that still.
1: And almost slightly breathless Rachel Blackmore struggling to take it all in, but a, an amazing week. Six victories. Leave her the Cheltenham Festival leading jockey, and quite comprehensively in the end, a second and a third as well, and four falls. Don't forget, yeah, interspersed three, with all that,
0: three of them in between, winning on Bob Ollinger and then winning on Sigurd, uh, all on the same afternoon.
1: Uh, Jack Kennedy was brilliant in every respect. Four, two, and one. Paul Townend, he'd probably end the week feeling frustrated, but he's had 13 horses finish in the first three.
0: Yeah, it's just the second column always frustrates jockeys more than more than any other but you know, six, six runners-up. need to convert a fair few of those to have won, though. You have to have doubled it. You know, Rachel set a very high standard with six.
1: And Nico de Boyneville, one of very few British-based jockeys getting anywhere near the score sheet, and he did it twice with Chantry House and with Shishkin. And Mark Walsh had his victory as well for Gavin Cromwell on Vanillier. He had four seconds, though. Now, that count-back column, the seconds column, certainly helped Willie Mullins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think even Willie Mullins would concede that, that that is a little against the run of play, that yeah, table. I
0: came, I came down and stood with you for that last race, if, yeah. you, if you remember, and we were debating that if Willie did win, it would be a little bit hard to say he was champion trainer, given the sixth haul of Henry de Bromhead, and that's the one result, no disrespectful to Willie, I think he's won it seven times already, but yeah. there is no doubt the standout trainer of the week was Henry de Bromhead, and I might just have preferred to have moved one from that first to second column on this occasion Willie to allow that to be etched in the history.
1: And let's be quite clear: um, Denise Foster's name will be credited with three victories, four seconds, and two thirds. Had Gordon Elliott's horses not moved, and had his license not been suspended, given that Sir Gerhard Galvin, who went to Ian Ferguson, and Kilixios not uh, not being taken away from that sheet. That stable would have ended up as the leading stable of the week because they would have had six, Mullins would have had five, and De Bromhead would have had five. Yeah, absolutely. So it's worth noting uh, Nicky Henderson with two winners, and Gavin Cromwell with two. They're just beautiful horses, aren't they? These Cheveley Park jumpers. I mean, wow, <laughs> you know my love of Apeluta, but what about Alaho? And what about Sir Gerhard as a prospect? And Calyxios?
0: Yeah, I then and Bois-Alain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yes, it. Fant- amazing to see there. I think the, the juxtaposition we're going, to, we're going to talk about now is how Irish-centric they are on the jumping front versus the other way around. Yeah.
1: Um, the reason I was waving my finger there, no, that you yeah, can see, was because I was pointing out that the, the I know Jiggins Town are scaling back, so that's a gradual thing over time, but they still had a bazillion runners. And yes. And they only got Tiger Roll in front. And then um, JP only had Chantry House, really.
0: Richie's Monkfish. Yeah. It's not... Yes, yeah, that was the interesting thing about the way was we always say oh it's you know held in a small number, oh, but it, it was scattered amongst the Irish twenty three were sown far and wide from trainers to owners and yeah they've got some fantastic horses the lovely horses they achieved at Barn Stud,
1: but the the big spending own National Hunt owners that that pool is getting larger, those horses are almost exclusively being trained in Ireland. The ones that are being trained in Britain, the Shishkins and Chantry Houses, they're owned by J.P. McManus and Joe Donnelly, well, who are the, yeah. Irish, big Irish owners.
0: Uh, that's right. Yes, it's, it is it is very difficult. And you could argue as well, some of the English owners have put in a great deal of money. Martin tedham has got this success yeah. with Sky Pirate through, through John Joe O'Neill's. But their levels of investment are substantial. It shouldn't be immediately assumed that there's no UK-based owners who aren't spending money. Oh, yeah. It is just the returns on that money at present don't bear much relation to the returns that seemingly are being made by equivalent owners in Ireland.
1: But interestingly, just gradually over time, so we talked to Kenny Alexander last week, you know, he had horses with Lucinda Russell, still does, David Pipe. But he's had great success in Ireland with the mayors, and suddenly all the good ones are there. Mm. And it's a, a similar story. You, know, you look at um, Simon Maneer and Isaac swed they've had great success with Nicky Henderson many of their runners this week, were. I've most of their runners, were trained by Willie Mullins and they still got horses with Denise Foster. And
0: we should point out that a lot of the owners would point to prize money and have done straight away on social media. It is a little bit more complex than that, but that perception is certainly true compared to France for example, that um, why would you invest in this country if the returns are poor in comparison to prize money mm-hmm. in France and to a lesser degree in Ireland, but it is a point that is made regularly.
1: Exactly, if it was just about prize money you'd have all your horses trained in France. Absolutely. That's the point. You'd be be quids in. But it's about all manner of other things as I'm sure we'll we'll discuss in a few moments with with Richard Thompson from Cheveley Park who who joins me now. Richard good morning. Good morning Nick. Um, First of all congratulations on a on a pretty amazing week. Uh, What a what a really classy collection of uh, of young horses you've got. Were you all able to to enjoy the week as much as you as much as you wanted to?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we had a fabulous a fabulous time watching it. Obviously, disappointed not to be there, of course, but hopefully be back next year. And uh, just great that all the obviously our six horses, as you know, five of them obviously finished first or second, and the and the one that we expected probably to win of all of them, of course, was Envoy, who fell. So it was a bit of a roller coaster week, but obviously an excellent week as well.
1: And I, I, I'm, I'm, I can only really begin this interview one way, Richard, which is to to, to ask you um, about the the legacy left by your your late father David. Because am I right in thinking that this this branch of the operation, this um, this clutcher of National Hunter horses, really owes owes more to him than to anybody else? One
3: hundred percent, yeah, Nick. Yeah, I mean, Chibli, as you know, is a is a primarily a, a stud farm and a flat flat uh, a flat race operation, racing and breeding and three years ago, I suppose it was, my father obviously, he's always been keen on the jumps. And as you know, we had some luck yeah. with my, my mother's colours in party politics back in 92, but he was keen, as he was getting older, to, um, you know, we'd always watched Cheltenham and obviously loved Cheltenham and of course uh, were keen to, he was keen, sorry, to have some uh, runners at Cheltenham. And uh, so that, that point in time, probably about three years ago or so, invested heavily, obviously, and, and since then, obviously, as, as well, um, in a number of um, young horses. So definitely his um, his initiative, and it wouldn't be something that Chief Lee would have, you know, done in the in the ordinary course of business. But because he was getting older, um, you know, it's, it, it's all about uh, it was all about sort of you know enjoying it, and, and the jumps, of course, has provided us some fantastic moments in the last uh, two or three years, and uh, you know something for him actually in the winter when there was nothing much going on in the flat as well. So uh, it, it, it was that, that that was the reason really.
1: Yeah I mean you talk about party policy. I mean one of, one of the first horses I can remember running in your in your father's colours cuz he had the blue with the white cross belts, didn't he
3: Yes he did and yeah, if that Falcon was the first actually
1: actually
3: yeah. you know, ran in his colours and won the Haydock sprint cup and that was Apollo well, Falcon obviously being the side pivotal uh, and came back to stud obviously at Cheveley in 1992 and obviously pivotal was his first ever foal but um yeah my mother's colours obviously were the colours used for the for the um, for party politics,
1: yeah, he won thing, the Grand uh, National '92. Yeah. Um, so you, you talk about this <coughs> uh, latest sort of round of investment, if you like, three three or four years ago. There's one thing wanting to to get in and have a bit of fun and have a few runners at Cheltenham. It's another building up a string like this. I mean, can you quite believe? I'm, I know there was a lot of money spent, but can you quite believe the strike rate of exceptional horses to to just merely good ones?
3: Yeah. I mean, it, good good point. Nick. I mean, absolutely not. Because we know we've been in the horse game for many many years, and of course. You do need patience, you do need luck, and, uh, of course, we have had, obviously, it feels that, obviously, you say in this, not, not, not many horses we bought. I mean, really, we've got a few, I think we've got 16 in training, 16 national hands. we've sold a few that weren't so good. But, um, yeah, it's incredible, incredible strike rate. It's hard to believe, really. I mean, we did pay, we have paid good money for every single horse that we acquired, basically. And some of these horses, you know, Envoy, Sir Gerard, the purchases we made in December just recently uh, with my father obviously under my father's um, sort of uh, guidance, etc. Um, uh, yeah, they're big, they're big prices, but still, yeah, fantastic, uh, incredible to uh, see the success.
1: Yeah, and you'll know full well, Richard. I mean that you there are plenty of people who've spent three, four, five. We saw a case this week, six hundred and fifty thousand on horses that have been busted flushes. Yeah, you, you've got to be quite careful as well. There's plenty of expensive rubbish out there as well as expensive good ones. Oh,
3: totally. Look, I mean, it probably is... We, we obviously probably use the best people to scout, the, scout for the horses, etc. you know, combinations of you know, Willie Mullins and Harold and obviously Gordon, obviously, with Tom Malone and, and obviously uh, Alex Elliott and, and, and Henry de Bromhead. So, you know, a good combination of experience where we were able to you know get some good judges to acquire these horses for us.
1: So, do you think? Do you think that's the key? Do you think that it's the sourcing? It's 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 how you go about getting them and who you get to 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 find them for you.
3: Uh, totally. I'm, I'm, I mean, I think any, any, any you know any sort of uh, what's the word the world of business essentially or the world of sport it's about finding that talent, isn't it? And some people are just very good at spending all their time trying to source it. And of course you know there are experts in every sort of field and uh i think on, with, with this sort of bunch of national hunt horses we did pick the, we did pick some good people to pick them to pick to find them for us
1: i'm fascinated to know why um your good horses exclude almost exclusively i know you've had one or two trained here are are all in ireland
3: look it's a good question nick i mean you know obviously you've you've alluded to i mean prize money was obviously a factor in terms of obviously having and, and actually i suppose it was having a bit of a change. We've obviously had a lot of horses trained in England, and I think having some Irish horses horses trained in Ireland, plus the, the fact that because we were looking for some, some Cheltenham success, uh, obviously, you know, the combination of the various uh, the trainers that we picked obviously had had some good success before we actually put the horses in training there. Um, I was sitting a, a ne- next to William Mullins at a lunch about three years ago, at a Peter of Sullivan, Sullivan lunch, and we had a good conversation. My father, who obviously was at that time talking about bikes and horses, and it just sort of combined the effectively, you know, I mean, his decision, obviously, let's have a few in Ireland. It was uh, something a bit new, but also the combination of prize money and and Shelton and success.
1: So it's all those things. wasn't one <coughs> single driving factor. No. It was just all the stars just aligned at the right time.
3: Exactly. I think that's right. I mean, look, I think going back, we have paid, obviously, we put, I mean, a significant investment into these horses as well. So that's obviously, we, that can't be... Um, uh, that can't be overlooked, but yeah, I think everything, as you say, aligning.
0: What does that mean for the longevity of the National Hunt situation, Richard? You obviously mentioned your late father was the driving force behind it. You know, you're not primarily buying mares; they're, they're geldings, etc. Um, what's the future hold for Chivley Park Look, and National Hunt yeah. racing?
3: Look, good, good question. I mean, we, obviously, we've made a significant investment. I mean, we've got some, we've got a group of young horses uh, that will hopefully um, be around for the next three or four years or more. We still we bought three. You know, sort of well-priced horses in December at the various sales. So, look, it, it was my father's project, so it's not something that we have, we were ever before. He said, "Let's do it." Or since he obviously, unfortunately, passed away, hasn't been on our agenda. To be honest with you, we're just going to enjoy the, well, the success we've just had, and hopefully some more success over the next three or four years with this with his bunch of horses. It's not, you know, because it was it was a it was a left field. Um, um, initiative by him, but the stud farm itself obviously is primarily flat, or is, is totally mm. flat in breeding and racing. And of course, you know, I, I wouldn't want to comment longer term, but certainly in the short to medium term, we're happy with this bunch of, with this bunch of horses that we have.
1: So, I mean, uh, as, as you say, you're not going to go out to the boutique sales this year and, and sort of redouble, if you like. You're no, not no, we're not. Of, no, not for the moment. You're not no, going to keep no. loading up with more jumpers. No,
3: no, we're very happy with the current squad, and we're very lucky to have the current squad. And uh you know maybe you know i think we'll just enjoy enjoy this lot of horses for the moment, for the time being
1: the only thing i would ask though richard on a sort of related theme is to what extent do you think you personally will be bitten so hard by this bug of Cheltenham's success that it'll start having an effect on you
3: oh look i i've been bitten since um my father bought uh well, the bought cheverly park in sept 1975 i got the horse racing bug from a, an early age and Obviously, always loved, actually, the Grand National. So having sort of been involved in my mother winning it, it was fantastic. Yeah. Of course, obviously, um, know, Cheltenham is a bug, isn't it? I mean, we, we all get addicted to Cheltenham. It's just incredible the way it's evolved over the last 20 years or, or plus. So I'm, I'm, I've been bitten by Cheltenham for many, many years. And my father, too, actually, had been for probably the last 20 years, which is why he probably, you know, on the back of us, him and I watching it together every number of years, decided to... Uh, Decided to have a crack uh, three years ago, and uh, we've been blessed with having seven Cheltenham winners in the last, well, in, th- in three seasons, um, you know, and a few other placed horses, so it's been fantastic. I'm, look, Nick, I'm, I'm totally bitten by it, <laughs> so that's a fact. I, uh, I can't deny that.
0: Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Al
1: Cruel Dubai.